Hello, I'm Leila Hidayat and welcome to this special edition of Stories to Change. So you can usually find me behind the scenes at Frontline, however during this extraordinary time I'll be recording from my living room. I'll be speaking to some really amazing people as well as some brilliant organisations who are adapting to support children and families during the pandemic and beyond. You, our lovely listeners and social gooders, will hear their stories, advice and hopes for the future as we learn together along the way. Hello everyone and welcome to the final episode in this Learning from Lockdown special series. So this week I spoke to Pamela Inn Beckley from The Haven, a Wolverhampton-based charity supporting women and children who are vulnerable to domestic abuse and homelessness. With domestic violence on the rise during lockdown, Pamela Inn shares how The Haven have embraced all things digital to continue to provide an enhanced service delivery, keeping everything centred on the needs of the women. Finally, Pamela Inn talks about the importance of empowering the girl child, calling out sexism and gender stereotypes. So a huge, huge thank you for listening and I look forward to you joining us for series two. Thank you so much for um, taking time to speak to me today. I really appreciate it. That's and I'm um, looking forward to hearing all about you and um, what The Haven have been up to as well. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, um, I've started this series off by asking each guest uh, for an interesting fact about themselves. Yeah. So I don't know if you have one to share with me. Um, for me, I'll say it's my job title, Architect of Stories, in relation to some of the work I've done previously as a women's magazine editor. The bulk of my work has always been in the designing and the crafting of the stories, even before the telling part. I think that's one of the things that The Haven does beautifully as well, centering the women in everything that that we do, whether it's the services that we provide, whether it's the solutions that we try to craft together, um, even in fundraising, sharing the stories of the women is a very important um, part of what we do. Tell me a little bit more about yourself then. So you mentioned a little bit about your your role um, at The Haven. If I had to describe myself in a nutshell, I'll say I am a disruptor in chief and I am a digital citizen. Um, so when I say disruptor in chief, I mean, I thrive on being disruptive and challenging the status quo, especially when it comes to issues that I'm passionate about. So things like the empowerment and betterment of the girl, child, and of course, women, for example. Um, I'm happy to have a job that allows me to do that by using storytelling through digital mediums as a catalyst for change. And when I say digital citizen, I spend a lot of my, I guess, what what you'd call or what should be downtime, developing skills and acquiring knowledge on digital technology. I am a self-taught web designer. And some nights when I can't sleep, I build affordable websites for small to medium businesses and charitable organizations. Wow. So, yeah, that's that's me. That's you in a nutshell. <laughs> in a nutshell, yes. You're, you're a busy lady then, but um, that's wonderful to hear. And wow, so many um, yeah, different areas of uh, interest there, which is great. Yeah. So, yeah, tell me a little bit more about the, the Haven then and so the work that you are um, doing to support women and, and children. Okay. So 
But Haven is an amazing organization. Excuse the bias. Um, we are a local Wolverhampton-based organization and we support women and children who are vulnerable to domestic violence, um, homelessness and abuse. And that comes in, in different shapes and forms. Um, it could be in providing refuge if they need to get away from an abusive partner. Um, it could be with counseling. Um, it could be with accessing other support services within that network. So just being a safe space and a safe haven for women to come to when they need help. And a lot of times we will get women who are not even aware that what they are experiencing is domestic abuse and it's they don't um, appreciate how detrimental it can be for them. And it's in talking through um, those issues and, and having someone who can hold their hand and, and be a listening ear that they realize that actually, um, no, this is not something that I want for myself or for my children. And um, it's time to do something different. Such a, an important um, service and, you know, really anyway, but at the moment, uh, you know, we are coming out of the lockdown stage. Yeah. For the past weeks, we have seen uh, a dramatic rise in domestic violence cases. Um, yeah. I wondered if you could um, say a bit about that and perhaps what the experience has been for the Haven over the past weeks during the lockdown and some of the things that you've been doing, I guess, to um, adapt in order to continue to support women and children? Um, sure. So just to give you some context, uh, in the months of April and May, we have a website, um, a digital tool that we created a couple of years ago called You Matter. And um, what that is, is a website that has real life stories of women who have experienced domestic abuse. And um, it also explains their journey through support services. And um, it was created after um, working with a, a focus group of women who had identified that such a tool was necessary in helping women recognize when they're in abusive relationships and they wanted it to not be very intrusive and invasive by asking too many personal questions but just telling the stories that they can then relate to and then make informed decisions as to how to seek support so on that website in april and may users were spending 30 percent more time than they had in march and then the traffic to our main website increased by 60% during the same period. So I think it goes without saying that our services have been in demand. Yet we have experienced a huge loss in vital funding as our services rely heavily on fundraising events, um, corporate and community fundraising support, sponsored events like marathons. And we had quite a few people who had signed up to run the marathon this year on our, our behalf. Um, and a lot of these events were all cancelled, as you, you know, um, until further notice. So we've really had to think outside of the box and embrace all things digital, basically. So through things like virtual fundraising, like our Haven COVID Relief Fund. Um, we've had to embrace virtual events, which we never really did before, but I suspect we'll probably be doing a bit more off as we, we move out of lockdown period. Um, virtual training, because we're, we're currently developing our training services to all, um, offer corporate training as an added source of income generation. 
we we had to quickly come up with a digital strategy that supported our service delivery, be it through you know sharing resources on social media, or for instance, developing a digital. We developed a digital safety planning guide, which is available on our website to download, and you know other health and wellness and well-being guides and the like. And of course, there's also the direct impact on how we operate our services. So, for instance, even though we we still offer things like virtual counseling our services cannot be completely digitized it's just not possible it's a you know front-facing service so we have continued being a safe haven for women who need to get away from abusive partners and we've had to think about how do we continue to accept those women into refuge and their children but also protect and safeguard the women who are already in refuge without exposing them to any risk. So we had to implement things like, for instance, you know, strict measures like seven days in self-isolation for new arrivals, something that a lot of the women were not particularly happy about, but we had to stick to our guns and do that and make them understand that this is for the safety of everyone concerned. I think for us, the main thing, the lifesaver has been the fact that we had already embraced digital prior to COVID-19 and it's been a lifeline. And I think any organization which had not done that would have struggled during this time. I think I read a recent report that said 52% of charities do not have a digital strategy. And up until recently, we were part of the 52%. And um, so, yeah, it's it's been, COVID has been a beast to grapple with. But I think we have survived it and we haven't had any massive knock-on effect to our services. And I think it's a testament to our leadership and the team. And again, I believe that's what you get when you center the people who need the services, you will always find a way to make sure that you can continue to provide those services regardless. So, yeah. What you said there about um, the experience of the women having to go into isolation in order yeah. to um, stick to, you know, the, the COVID-19 guidelines and things and making sure that everyone's safe. That's such a, uh, I guess, a difficult thing. Yeah. You know, having to go through uh, the domestic violence and then come into the haven and then, you know, go into isolation. And I, I yeah, I, I, I just appreciate that would have been quite a tricky thing to yeah. negotiate. At that time. Definitely was. But I think when you explain the reasons why and the risks and um, you ensure you, you, you make sure the women know that it would in no way of shape or form affect the support that they get. The support is still available. We'll, we still had uh, members of staff on hand to offer any advice, any help, any support. Um, they quickly came around and, and understood why we needed to do that. I wonder if you could share a bit more about um, what the experience has been from the women and children's perspective. So what have you heard from the women and children themselves over these past weeks? I think the main thing is prior to lockdown, women who were in abusive relationships, some were in work, some were on the school run. There was 
time away from home, time away from the perpetrator. For some, work was their their haven. That was where they went um, and, and, and just got lost in, in what they had to do and totally forgot about what was happening at home. Um, when you take away all of those, you're now left with a pressure cooker, literally. And the abuse becomes more persistent. And you've had situations where partners have lost their jobs and it has brought an added stress Never an excuse, by the way. There is no excuse for abuse. And we always say that. But when you look at some of the stories and, and the reasoning behind why some of these issues arise and, and you, you, you see the knock on effect. So you will have situations, for instance, where a partner has gradually become an alcoholic because that's what they've turned to to cope with as their own coping mechanism to deal with whatever stresses they're going to perhaps lose in their jobs at this time. And then the partner then becomes this person that they take out all the frustration and even more than they did before. So that restriction of movement and 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 just being stuck at home with a perpetrator and, and not being able to get out um, and sometimes not even being able to call for help. In the early weeks, we noticed that we were not getting as many calls as we were expecting or as perhaps other organizations were, were, were reporting. But then it dawned on us that really, where would these, how would these women call us if their phones are being tracked, if they're constantly being watched? And that's, that is why the police experienced an increased number in calls because what then happens is people will only call when things get to crisis point and at crisis point you're not calling the haven you're calling the police because you need them to get there immediately and get you out so it's it's been tough i think the word is unprecedented i don't believe We've experienced anything like this, um, where there's been this extended period where people are just stuck at home and can't go anywhere. I think the women have found a lot of the guides that we've we've created helpful. Um, we've got weekly mailings going out with with information on how to care for yourself, how to plan for your safety. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And, and uh, it's a very, very tricky time. And in your experience, where do you see or hear that the child's voice in this? Um, it'd be quite interesting to hear uh, from your experience how um, children have been supported during this time. The children have really liked the online support. Um, we created YouTube videos from the, the children and young people workers um, with just various activities. Sometimes it's just maybe even just checking in um, or a kind message. We've done health and well-being packs with coloring. Those have gone out weekly as well. Um, we did a fundraiser to raise money to get some garden toys just to have that for them as well. And we're able to raise the target very quickly and we're able to put that in place. So it's been tough because I think more so for the children, because you're coming away from your regular place of abode and everything that you've ever known. You're coming into a new environment. You're out of school. You've been stuck in this in this place and your movement is restricted. So it's it's tough. But um, 
we've got really good workers, um, CYP workers who have just taken it in their stride and, and have provided all the necessary support for the children. Just a little bit more about so some of those changes that you've um, made during the lockdown. And I wonder if there's any um, lessons learned. One of the main ones is that there's a lot of room for growth in terms of how we use technology in enhancing our service delivery. And that's always a tough one for charitable organizations like ourselves because uh, it's such an expensive um aspect to embrace as a charitable organization or business and we will always prioritize our services and supporting the women over when it comes to spending basically over maybe prioritizing that but I think we've realized that by already embracing it and taking steps towards incorporating the use of tech and and digital in our services, um, we are heading in the right direction. Um, And I guess this is why I say that we we did win an award. When was it? Was it yesterday? The day before yesterday for a website. Thank you. For You Matter, which I mentioned earlier, the portal with the storytelling. and, And it was a impact towards tech for good. Um, for social transformation. So that that has been at the forefront of, especially my mind as architect of stories, how we move that forward and, and even do more with it. Because I think you kind of realize at a time like this that the possibilities are endless. And I think there's so many things that I wish we could have done, but we didn't have the time to do because we had to kick into action immediately. So definitely that. Um, it's been difficult because like I said, our, our services cannot be completely digitized or run remotely. Um, women find face-to-face more more personal when it comes to support and counseling. So that has been tough. But what we've done or what we did was instead of just the telephone um, counseling, we will do we, we, we have done video counseling as well just to ease some of that a bit. Um, some declined um, because they wanted face to face and 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 now we have a waiting list for when we're out of lockdown that we'll get through very quickly. It's amazing as a charity, you're not only um, embracing um, using technology and thinking of opportunities that it can bring, but you've also, you know, won an award, which is brilliant, really brilliant. And I understand what you're saying, um, you know, that some women might be more, might be open to having those uh, sessions online, but prefer face to face. But I guess it's it's bringing both options, isn't it? And then yes, can choose. It's kind of broadening the the uh, women that you can reach. I, I guess exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and and if we win the award, that that's a personal thing for me because it was it was my initiation into the organisation. It was the first thing I had to do. Yeah. Um, put together the the entry, so it was a, a proud moment, and I'm excited about that and. Hopefully, it brings more opportunities for for digital transformation as we move forward. Fantastic! Well done again, and I hope you uh, take some time to celebrate. Then, if you're yeah, over the weekend or something, I will. I will. <laughs> um, 
So as I mentioned, um, our listeners, some of them may be social workers, others may be looking to um, start a, an, uh, an initiative or a charity of their own. Okay. And what we're trying to do through the podcast is ask our guests to share some advice that they may have through their experience um, for our listeners. So I don't know if you have any, any advice that you'd like to share. I think this is this is where I tap into my passions a little bit. <laughs> I think I'll say, do not be afraid to challenge um, and reflect on your own internalized bias and call out sexism and gender stereotypes. And I'll explain why I say that. I think one of the greatest disservices that society has done to the girl child is that we have told her that she can be whoever she wants to be. Um, that she can command respect and she can be empowered. And yet time and time again, it is obvious that we have failed her when it comes to how we raise our boys. Um, when you think of it, what, what are we trying to achieve when we teach girls to be pure, to protect their dignity, but forget to raise boys who can understand that women have autonomy over their bodies? How did a whole generation work so hard to empower women yet completely forget to teach men how to live with empowered women. So I think social workers, especially those who work with young people and children, have a role to play in engaging with them and having those conversations. Working in an organization like The Haven that is at the front line of domestic abuse has been a reawakening for me. Um, when you hear firsthand the stories of the women who have suffered horrific experiences, it is very easy, I think, to see how if we sort of manage to transform the ideas around gender norms, especially masculinity, and refocus the ideas we have about what power is, we can begin to see the end of violence against women and girls. I truly believe that. Um, before COVID, we were working on a, a project, our idea for early intervention and prevention um, is to men gauge and empower her. So we we had a dual project called Men Gauge and Empower Her, going into schools and communities to facilitate open and honest conversations with young boys and girls, to educate, inform, challenge the deep-rooted societal norms that are negative, negative attitudes and behaviors that discriminate against and limit women and girls. I think we want women, young people, not just women, we want young people to understand that when we respect, trust, and treat each other as equals, we fit together much better and we can make a more positive impact on the world. So that would be my my advice that we need we have a lot of work to do with young people in challenging those those stereotypes and those gender norms and having those conversations no matter how difficult or challenging they may seem it's really interesting and um it just makes so much sense as well doesn't it you can't yeah. go and teach girls to feel you know empowered and and say that they can be whatever they want to be but then they face when they come into the real world exactly they face all these all these issues and it's not yeah. a, it's not the right uh environment where they can flourish so yeah really interesting work there 
any um, hopes for the future or any uh, anything else that you wanted to share that you don't think that you, you shared already? I think this is a tough one, but I'll, I'll piggyback off what I said earlier in that in as much as I, I love my job and I am happy that services such as those that we provide at The Haven exist, my ideal world um, will be one wherein they aren't required. Um, so in a sense, my hopes for the future is that at some point we can look at violence against women and girls as a thing of the past, um, that we can live in a world wherein patriarchal power is a thing of the past. I think it's hard to ignore the power dynamics at play resulting in the injustices in every corner of the world, be it domestic abuse, violence against women and girls, and even racial inequality. I mean, Black Lives Matter is a is a huge topic at the moment. So I'm hoping for a world where power is no longer about control and domination, but about transformation, collaboration, standing in solidarity with people, young, old, black, blue, abled, those with disabilities, male, female, you know, just working together to influence change and recognizing that together each achieves more. That's brilliant. It's been really interesting speaking to you and really um, interested hearing more about the Haven. And I hope to kind of stay in touch and see what other stuff you've been up to. So um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. And you, Leila. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.